0: Thank you for listening to the Ridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about CrossFitch Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. I want to uh, begin by saying thank you to uh, Pastor George for doing such a wonderful job preaching God's Word the last couple of Sundays. Yes, yes, God. God used uh, Pastor George to teach us about the necessity, the importance, and the blessing of contentment. And we certainly learn to be content in Christ. As we walk by the spirit and so we're going to continue walking by the spirit this morning I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2 and Galatians chapter 5 So make your way to Acts chapter 2 and then make your way also to Galatians 5 hold those two spots That's where we're going to spend some time together in the word of God this morning uh, As we study his word to apply his word in our lives I am excited about what God has planned for us and all our church family in this new year. I hope you're excited because I know I am excited. And as we start this new year, we know God is at work. We know that we know that we know God is at work. Now, we know God is at work because God told us he's at work In his word, Jesus told us in John 5 and verse 17, my father is still working and I am working also. So we know that God is at work in his world drawing his people into a relationship with him by his grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. The one and only way into a relationship with God is by faith in the one and only son of God, Jesus Christ. We also know God's at work in his world, transforming his people. That's you and me in Christ Jesus. He's at work in his world, transforming us into the likeness of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. As Christ followers, we know that God is at work in each one of us. That means God is at work in you, and he is at work in me, in these very Moments, Paul told us, "For it is God who is working in you, both to will and work according to His good purpose." That means God is the one working in you and me, and He is the one giving us the desire and the strength to follow and fulfill His good purposes for us. Now, Paul also encouraged us by reminding us that we can be sure that God will carry on his work in us until he calls us home to heaven. I don't know about you, but that's an incredible blessing to me. That says God's not going to give up on us. God's not going to get bored with us. God's not going to get upset with us and turn away from us and just throw up his hands, throw in the towel on his work in us. He's not going to do that. He will carry on his work until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. That's great encouragement for each one of us as we look to this new year. We also know God is at work because God showed us he is at work. Scripture is the accurate and trustworthy written record of God's work in God's world by God's strength for God's glory. The Old Testament and the New Testament testify to the amazing and awesome, incredible and describable work of God by his power. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God provided the ram for Abraham for the sacrifice instead of Isaac. God remembered Noah and his family in the ark. God promoted Joseph from the prison to the palace. God parted the Red Sea for Moses and the Israelites to pass through. God went before and with Joshua and the Israelites as they entered into the promised land. God empowered David to hit that Goliath, that giant, with his first stone. God closed the mouths of the lions for Daniel. God put A.C. in the fiery furnace for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God chose Mary to be the one to give birth to Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior. He displayed great grace and favor on Mary. God healed the diseased, the sick, and the lame. God fed over 5,000 with the two fish and five loaves. God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. God chose the ladies who oftentimes accompanied the disciples of Jesus to be the first ones to see the resurrected Jesus. God, after the ascension of Jesus blessed the disciples and followers of Jesus by sending his Holy Spirit to dwell in them to empower them to live and love his way, which is exactly what Jesus said would happen before he ascended back into heaven. God does the same for you and me today. At the moment God saved us, he placed his Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live and love God's way. During Pentecost, God started the very first church in Jerusalem with the small band of believers and followers, the disciples of Jesus at that time. This church grew and spread by the power of God in amazing ways. Luke wrote about this church in Acts chapter 2. I hope you've made your way to Acts chapter 2. We read about this church. Church. We read about these believers, we read about the power of God at work in their midst in Acts chapter 2. This church in Jerusalem was the church that ultimately became the parent church for the churches in Galatea that we've been studying in Galatians. And so we see in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, Luke wrote, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, they being that small band of believers there in Jerusalem that started this church. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, say that with me, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Every day. The Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You can write outside. You can underline, highlight that. You can write in your notes. That is evidence of the power of God at work. Amen? That is the amazing and awesome power of God at work in this church. This church, this band of believers grew and spread rapidly by the power of God. Believe it or not, this church is continuing to grow and spread rapidly today by the power of God. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the called out ones in Christ Jesus by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. We see God at work in our midst, in our church family, just as these believers saw God at work in their midst. God is at work changing lives for eternity here in our midst just as he was thousands of years ago. And so we know God is at work because God told us he's at work. We know God is at work because God has showed us he's at work in his word. We hold his word in our hands and we see this testimony. We can read about this testimony every day about the power of God at work. We can look in the stories, Old Testament and New Testament. We can see that God is at work today because we know he was at work in the testimony that we see from his word. This also provides us with great encouragement as we look to this new year and all that God has for us. But we also know God is at work because we see God at work. We see God at work in our lives. We see God at work in our families. We see God at work in our relationships We see God at work in our church family. And when you focus in on the Lord on a day-by-day basis, you can't help but see God at work in and through and around and for you and in your relationships. We see God at work every day throughout the week. God is at work convicting us of our sins. God is the one at work forgiving us of our sins. God is at work answering our prayers. God is at work listening to our prayers. God is at work blessing our lives. God is at work blessing our ministries. God is at work changing our priorities to match his priorities. God is at work encouraging us To comfort one another. God is at work encouraging us to care for one another. God is the one at work encouraging us to help one another. God is the one at work encouraging us to listen to one another. God is the one at work encouraging us to live in peace with one another. God is the one at work encouraging us to live in unity with one another. God is the one at work encouraging us to love one another. God is the one at work encouraging us to minister to one another. God is the one at work encouraging us to pray with and for one another. God is at work encouraging us to serve serve one another. God is at work increasing our desire for him. He's the one who works in us and increases our desire for him. God is the one at work increasing our desire to give to Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to go for Jesus. God is the one at work in us increasing our understanding of his word. God is the one at work in us increasing our obedience to his word. God is at work in our lives, meeting all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God is the one at work producing his fruit of the Spirit in us so that it can be seen through us. God is the one at work using us to bless those he places around us. God is at work making us more and more like Christ on a daily basis. Listen, the more we see God at work, the more we want to say, the more we want to shout, Go, God, go! We see him at work. I hope and pray that you can see God at work in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your children, in your relationships, in your workplace, in your friendships, in your schools. I hope and I pray that you can see God at work in our church family because he is fast at work. And we also know as followers of Jesus, based on our walk with Jesus. We know based on the testimony of Scripture. We also know based on the examples of the churches in the New Testament in God's Word. We know that when God is at work in us, we also know our enemy Satan is at work on us. We know spiritual warfare is real. Satan is relentless. He is relentless. Let me say that again. He is relentless in his attempts, in his desire to turn us away from God and to encourage us to walk by the flesh and not the Spirit. We've been studying about this spiritual tug-of-war that goes on within each of us as a Christ follower, the spiritual tug-of-war between our our flesh and the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We've been studying this and walking through this in our our study through Galatians last year, and we're going to continue and finish our study uh, through Galatians here in the first couple of months of this new year, and we'll continue to talk about, because Paul continues to talk about, because God inspired Paul to continue to talk about, this spiritual tug-of-war that continues to go on inside of us. And, and we, we see this because Satan wants us to walk by the flesh because the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, desires what is opposed to the Spirit. And so we know that God by His Spirit in us, longs for us to walk in obedience to His Spirit because the Spirit of God is opposed to the things of the flesh. And so we have this internal struggle, this internal tug of war that goes on within us on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a minute-by-minute basis. Satan continually tries to to pull us away from what God has in store for us. We see this in Galatians chapter 5. I think it's important for us to look once again, hopefully you've made your way to Galatians 5. In Galatians chapter 5, we see Paul identified this tug of war. And then he shared with us uh, the uh, effects, the results of walking by the flesh. When we choose not to follow the Lord, when when we choose to walk by the flesh instead of walking by the Spirit, then here's what results in our lives. Now the works of the flesh, beginning of verse 19, are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Satan obviously wants us, tempts us, lures us, goads us to walk by the flesh, to trust in ourselves. To live our way, by our wisdom, according to our strength, on a day-by-day basis. Because he wants to discourage us, he wants to divide us, and ultimately he wants to destroy us. But praise God, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Amen? Praise God. We are victors, overcomers, and more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Praise God we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory because we've already won the victory in Christ Jesus. Praise God he has placed his Holy Spirit in us to empower us to walk in our freedom and to walk in our victory in Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us to walk in the freedom. And the victory that we have in Christ Jesus on a day-by-day basis, Jesus himself taught us about this. He shared with us how we are able to walk in our victory in him on a daily basis. Jesus shared with us how we are able to see him at work, how we're able to see God at work in our lives, how we're able to see God at work in our relationships, how we're able to see God at work in our family, how we're able to see God at work in our church family. He shared the way that we're able to do this on a day-by-day basis in the Great Commission, in Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew 28 in verses 18 through 20, Jesus shared uh, what everyone commonly knows as the, the Great Commission. Matthew recorded the words of Jesus in this passage, and Jesus said this. Matthew wrote these words, and Jesus came near and said to them, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations." Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And remember, say that with me. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we see Jesus shared in this great commission. He had, he had gained the victory over the cross. He had uh, risen. He had ministered for the 40 days there with the followers and disciples. And he was just getting ready to ascend, to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. And he shared these words. And in the great commission, we find, we find some key steps for us to take in this new year. That will enable us to walk in our victory and walk in our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. That will enable us to see God at work in our lives on a daily basis. So let's look at these steps that we see that Jesus identified for us. The first step is be biblical. The first step is we must be biblical. In this new year, God wants us to to be biblical to increase our desire for his word. God has revealed himself, his will, and his ways in his word. And so, being biblical means reading God's word, believing God's word, obeying God's word, and teaching God's word. Remember, Jesus told us that we're to teach others to observe and obey everything He's commanded us in His word. Well, that requires us to be biblical, and that requires us to understand God's word so that we can obey God's word, so that we can teach God's word, which requires us. be biblical. We cannot teach what we do not know or practice. And so we see, once again, this vitally important commitment that we need to renew in our hearts and minds as we start this new year. We need to be biblical. Jesus walked in perfect obedience to God his Father. He walked in perfect obedience during his earthly ministry. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work, And Jesus did just that. He finished God's work for him by his death, burial, and resurrection, which opens a way for us to know God personally by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. And so our example, our model to follow is Jesus. Jesus walked in perfect obedience to God. And so being biblical clearly means we need to obey God's word. Obedience is a must for us. God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. God's word is profitable and useful for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, and training us in righteousness. That means training us in right living. Training us in living the way God wants us to live so that being trained in righteousness, we'll be ready, able, and equipped to do all that God has for us to do. And so we understand and know that being biblical means realizing that the Holy Spirit dwells within us and he is the one who is enabling us to see God at work. He is the one who convicts us of our sin. He's the one who uh, then guides and directs us. He's the one who encourages us. He's also the one who teaches us the word of God and he empowers us to obey the word of God. And he empowers us to obey it. Why? Because that's best for us and all those around us. And so we know and understand How important it is for us to be biblical as we look at this new year. As we renew our passion to get in God's Word on a day-by-day basis. The main tool God uses to grow our faith is His Word. The main tool that God uses to grow our faith is His Word. He placed His Holy Spirit in us so that He could teach us the Word and empower us to obey the Word. It's the Word, obeying His Word. And so we understand and realize how important it is for us to be focused in on Not only reading and believing, but obeying and sharing and teaching the Word of God. This is why we preach and teach the Word of God in all of our ministries from preschool all the way through our adults. No matter where you land and whatever ministry you hop into to serve, whatever ministry uh, you're helping to lead a small group in, whether it's preschool, children, students, adults, whatever the ministry here, you can understand and be guaranteed that we're going to preach and teach the Word of God. This is what God's Word says, this is what God's Word means, and this is how we obey it. This is how we obey it. As James said, don't merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. James was helping us to understand the point of the Word of God is not to gain knowledge of the Word for knowledge's sake. The point of Of being biblical, the point of getting in the Word of God, the point of understanding the Word of God is so that we can apply the Word of God in our lives, so that we can put it into practice. It's the application of the knowledge that makes a difference in our lives and in those around us. And so we understand and realize how important it is for us to be biblical, to focus in on this commitment, once again, as we look to this new year, that's why it's so important to be involved in a life team. We'll talk more about that here with our second point as well. It's because those are the small groups that we get around the word of God and we're able to grow in our understanding of the word, what it means and how we obey it as we do life together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Listen, we cannot go wrong doing what God says. We can't go wrong doing what God says. God tells us several blessings that come from being biblical. Number one, we know that God always blesses our obedience. Jesus said, blessed rather than those who hear the word of God and obey it. So we know God will bless our obedience. God blesses us as we get in his word because his word gets in us and goes through us to those around us. So he blesses our obedience. Secondly, we know that we show God we love God as we obey God. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commands. So it's a way that we're able to show God we love him by doing exactly what he tells us to do in his word. Because that's best for us and those around us, which is why Jesus commanded us to teach others to observe and obey everything he's commanded us in his word. Because God loves us most and he knows us best and he wants what's best for us. And he knows walking in obedience to the word, he knows being biblical is best for us. But we also know we leave a legacy for our families, we leave a a legacy for our friends, we leave a, a legacy for our co-workers when we walk in obedience to the Word of God, when we live a biblical lifestyle, when we're in that Word and we're believing the Word and reading the Word and obeying the Word and sharing the Word and living out the Word. We leave a legacy. You know that Hebrews chapter 11, it's the hall of faith. And we see in Hebrews chapter 11, testimony after testimony after testimony of men and women who were biblical in their lives, who walked in obedience to the word of God, who demonstrated their faith in God by their obedience to God. And we see their testimonies in scripture all throughout the word of God. And so for our families, for our relationships, for our friendships, for our children, we're able to leave a legacy. It's not just best for us. It's best for those that God's placed around us very close to us, those who are closest to us, but then extending out as they're able to observe and watch our commitment to being biblical, watch our commitment to getting in the Word of God and to living it out on a day-by-day basis. So as we look to this new year, first commitment, if we want to see God at work, be biblical. Second commitment, if we want to see God at work, if we want to walk in our freedom and victory in Jesus, be relational. Be relational. Be relational. Jesus said, go and make disciples. In other words, be relational. We are able to go and make disciples. We are able to teach others to observe and obey everything God has commanded us in his word as we develop relationships with others. You know this as well as I do. God wants us to be relational because God's a relational God. God created us to enjoy a relationship with him. God loved us so much, He sent His Son, our Savior, Jesus, to earth to rescue us from our sins. Jesus took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sin. He sacrificed His life for us so that we would not have to face the wrath of God for eternity. Instead, we'd be able to receive the gift of God, which is eternal life with God, by His grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. That is reason for us to rejoice and to say praise God today and every day, all through the day. Amen? And that's a blessing as we look at this new year, I don't want us to lose sight that God is a relational God. He wants a relationship with each one of us. That's also part of the reason why he wants us to be biblical, because we're able to enjoy the fullness of our relationship with God as we get in the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit ministers to us and then ministers through us. It's one of the ways that we're able to be relational with God. It's through prayer, certainly, but also through the Word. But God's also created us to be relational and to enjoy a relationship with one another. We are members of God's family. We are brothers and sisters by faith in Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Tell your neighbor, hello, family. Hey, we're family. We are family in Christ Jesus. What an awesome blessing. And so God wants us to be relational with him on a one-on-one basis, personally. But God wants us to be relational with one another. You know, God wants us to be relational with our brothers and sisters in Christ because there are over 30 one-another commands in the New Testament that we are able to obey as we are relational with one another. We are able to obey these commands. We're able to be biblical as we're relational because the one another's happen in relationships. Carry one another's burden. Bear one another's burden. Encourage one another. Forgive one another. Pray with and for one another. Care for one another. Comfort one another. You see, one another, one another, one another, one another. What God is saying is we've got to be relational. Be relational with Him. Be relational with one another. Another God also wants us to be relational with all those He places around us, especially those who don't know Jesus. He wants us to be relational with those in our families, with those in our workplace, with those in our schools, with the, those in our relationships who don't have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus. He wants us to be relational with them so that we can get to know them, so that we can encourage them, ultimately so that we can share Jesus with them. And so God desires us to be relational with all those he places around us. Now, a simple strategy to being relational is invest and invite. A simple way to remember this throughout this year, a simple way to be relational is invest and invite. Invest in your relationships. Spend time with those that you have a relationship with, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Spend time with them. Check in on them. Communicate with them. Call them. And there are so many ways we can communicate with one another now. Through the blessings of technology, there's really no reason why we can't connect. Used to be you had to connect with someone, you had to go see them had to physically go see them. And I still believe face-to-face, physically seeing one of those is the best way to connect with one another. But there's so many other ways that we can connect with one another. We need to invest and connect with one another. That enables us then to invite our brothers and sisters in Christ to share with us what's going on, to share their needs, to share their cares, to share their concerns, which then allows us to be able to meet their needs, to be able to pray with them and to pray for them, helps us to be able to hold them accountable, and it helps them to be able to hold us accountable. And so we see in Invest and invite. We see that works within our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, within our family. It works in our life teams connecting with one another. It works in all of our different ministries. Even here on Sunday mornings, to an extent, we're able to connect with one another. But then we also, God also wants us to invest in those He places around us who we have relationships with, we have friendships with, who have yet to place their faith in Christ Jesus. He wants us to invest in them, to spend time with them. He wants us to communicate with them. He wants us to live out our faith and trust in Christ before them and with them. Why? So that at a certain point in time when God opens those doors, we can invite them to consider Christ. We can invite them to come to church. We can invite them to read the word. We can invite them to share with us what's going on so that we could pray for them. You know, God is at work here in our midst. I think we've made that clear. I think we would all agree, God's at work here in our church family, so there's no reason for us not to want to invite folks to come to church. We have the confidence in knowing every single time we invite folks to come to church that they're going to be encouraged, they're going to be loved by the power of God at work in and through our family members. They're going to hear the truth of God's word, they're going to hear the gospel message, and they're going to have an opportunity to respond to that encouragement. So there's no reason for us not to reach out and to invite others to come to church. there's no reason for us not to invite others to consider Christ, to share with them what God's doing in our lives, which could help to pique their interest, especially those who don't yet know him. And so we see how important this is for us to, to be biblical and to be relational. As we renew our focus on these commitments in this new year, we will be able to see God at work in our lives, in our relationships, in all kinds of different ways. And then we will also be able to walk in our victory in Jesus. Now, I want you to summarize, we'll just summarize up to this point and we'll look at this some more next Sunday. But understand this if you're taking notes, write this down. The purpose of seeing God at work, the purpose. Of seeing God at work. Why are we talking about seeing God at work? What, what's the per- why is this such an emphasis as we begin this new year? The purpose of seeing God at work is to join God in his work. The purpose of seeing God at work is so that we can join God in his work. Both in our lives and in the lives of those he places around us. Now, we join God in his work as we walk by the Spirit. The great news from God's word is he placed his Holy Spirit in us, and the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us. He empowers you and he empowers me to live out our faith in God by our obedience to God. As the words of the old hymn share, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. We're going to spend these next few moments preparing our hearts for the Lord's Supper. And I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to encourage you to take these moments and to renew your commitment to the Lord. Just there in the quietness of your own heart and mind, you may want to just kneel right there where you're seated, or maybe you want to come and kneel at the altar and just renew your commitment to... To be biblical, renew your commitment to be relational, renew your commitment to the Lord. Scripture teaches us in regards to the Lord's Supper that we're not to receive the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, that means going through the motions spiritually and not taking time to, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, and not take not taking time to renew our, our commitment, our faith, and trust in Him. It also means receiving the Lord's Supper with unconfessed sin in our lives. And so I wanna encourage you, my brother, my sister in Christ, to to confess your sins now, to to seek the Lord, to ask for His forgiveness, to renew your commitment, to cry out and ask for His strength and His power, His wisdom to help you to see Him at work, to help you join Him in His work today in this week. Scripture also warns us about receiving the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, which means apart from a relationship with God, by faith in Christ Jesus. And so if you've joined us here in person or online, and you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation by placing your faith in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this very morning. This could be the first opportunity for you to receive the Lord's Supper as a follower of Jesus Christ. As we've shared the good news of the gospel, Jesus came to this earth to save us from our sins. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are but he never sinned and he he died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary. He was buried in the tomb and on the third day, he rose again victorious over sin and death for you and for me. He literally took our place on the cross and he paid our price for sin by sacrificing his life, by shedding his blood so that we could receive forgiveness of our sins and so that we could enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our response of faith in Jesus. And God's word tells us everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so I wanna give you an opportunity to do just that this morning. You can receive God's gift of salvation by praying a, a prayer similar to this. Remember, prayer doesn't save us, God saves us. He knows our hearts. He's the one drawing us into relationship with him. Prayer is for us to confess our sin to him, to cry out to him, and to receive his gift of salvation by placing our faith in Jesus. You can say a prayer similar to this. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and I know my sin separates me from you and I need a savior god i believe jesus is my savior i believed that he lived a perfect life i believe he was tempted as i am but he never sinned i believe he died on the cross in my place paying the price for my sin i believe he was buried and on the third day i believe jesus rose again i believe he's alive today and wants a relationship with me And so God, as best as I know how I repent from my sins, I turn from living my way and I turn to you so that I can live your way. I confess my sins to you. And I ask Jesus to come into my life, to take over, to take charge. From this point forward, thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, God, for saving me. If you prayed a prayer similar to that prayer, then you know based on the authority of God's word that you become part of God's family.